0: Dreams. It's kind of the topic of my message today, and whenever I was planning this message out, that cute little Disney song came to my mind. We all have dreams, don't we? We all have dreams. Many dream of growing up in a loving home with loving parents and siblings. You dream of finding that job that you love and just making it your career. Many dream of finding Mr. or Mrs. Right, getting married and buying a nice home, having children, maybe two boys, two girls. And of course, those kids grow up to be responsible, respectable adults in the world. And those kids are going to give you maybe eight to ten grandkids, who knows, but That's our dream at times, isn't it? And then, of course, we dream of our golden years to where we will retire with our mate of many years. And, of course, our dreams always include a lot of time with family and friends, always have enough money to live comfortably, and, of course, we'll live out our days in good health. That kind of sounds right, doesn't it? I mean, there might be some variation from person to person, but for the most part, we all have similar dreams, don't we? But have you ever noticed that our dreams seldom include heartache and pain? Our dreams seldom include disappointments or difficulties, don't they? We don't really plan for that in our dreams, do we? Many a dreams have been shattered as divorce rips through a home. An An abusive parent or family member violates the innocent. A child rebels and goes wayward. Alcohol, drugs, or pornography, they destroy the wishes of millions today. Perhaps a Premature death snatches one's dream away, leaving one dazed and confused. For some, it's school or high school, and it is a dream, but for many kids, it's nothing but a nightmare. Money can often become the source of much pain and suffering, just tearing apart dreams. And then how can we forget help? The doctor says the C word. You're plagued with diabetes. There's heart attacks. uh, An accident happens in uh, many live in pain for many of their years remaining. I was reading a book. Some of you who, Brian, this would include you. Some of you enjoy baseball. And back in the 70s, there was a guy named Jim Catfish Hunter. Remember him as a pitcher? He um, was an incredible pitcher who won three World Series with the Oakland A's, and then he won another two World Series with the New York Yankees. And he had the American dream. He was one of the first to sign a multi million dollar contract back in the 70s. He had everything that he ever wanted. His dreams had come true, except for one thing, and that was his health. He had retired from the game. He was a Hall of Famer, but at the age of 52, 53, he contracted Lou Gehrig's disease. Ironically, he had retired from the New York Yankees, and and, uh, Lou Gehrig had retired from the Yankees years before with that disease. And Jim Catfish Hunter said this, after all that he had experienced, after all the millions and all the success and everything that he had had, speaking of his disease, he said, I would trade it all just to be healthy. I'd give it all back. I I would go and, and be a groundskeeper to where nobody even knew my name if I could just have help. There's a lot of things that can destroy our dreams. Perhaps I'm speaking to someone here today to where this is not exactly how you would describe your dream life unfolding. Maybe you're going through difficult times. I have a lot of ground to cover, but I want to tell you a story about a girl named Amelia. Now, her story may shock some of you. Her story will be at times graphic. But I want you to listen to the story of a lady, of a a little girl grown up to be a lady whose dreams were destroyed. Uh, We have been studying on Wednesday nights uh, when God's people pray, and and the the one leading that is Pastor Jim Simula of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. And this just happens to be another story from another one of his books. And there was a lady that was sitting in his office named Amelia, and she began to tell Jim her story. I want you to listen. Amelia came from Puerto Rican parents. And her home was one of constant fighting, constant bickering, constant fighting. Her father was an alcoholic and they never had enough money except whenever her dad needed to get alcohol. They always seemed to have enough money for that. Her father was abusive, oftentimes beating her mother. He had a wooden stick that if he was Uh, A drunk, he would take that stick and if you were anywhere near, he would hit you with it. This was the atmosphere that Amelia grew up in. At the age of nine, she finally said she had had enough and she was going to stand up to her father. She was tired of seeing her mother abused, and she told her father enough was enough. And she told her mom, look, I'm going to trade places with you. You get to take my bed. You no longer have to endure that, and I'll take your place. And Emilio said that was one of the worst mistakes she ever made in her life. Because that night, her father began molesting her at the age of nine. And he would threaten Amelia and say if she did not give him what he wanted or she told on him that he would kill her mother. She was messed up in school as well. You can imagine she wasn't able to focus. She said that oftentimes throughout the day she would look at the clock and go, Oh no, I have X number of hours before I have to go home to my dad. Can you imagine living up like this, growing up like this? Her dreams of being a normal little girl were only dreams. One time she was able to spend the night at a girlfriend's house. And she says that she was shocked to see a family that did not argue. To see a family that grew up loving one another. That actually spoke to one another with love and respect. And to see a mom and a dad love each other. And she could not get over it. The next day when it was time for her to go home... Her mom was outside waiting, and she kept delaying, kept delaying, kept delaying. She did not want to leave the home, and she knew she finally had to leave, so she left. She got into the car, and her mom was very upset at her. But when she got home, she had to face her dad. Her dad was even angrier that she had been this late. And it's hard for me to even say this. I thought about leaving this out, but I want you to get an idea of this girl's background. She said when she got home, her dad was so furious that he took her in the back room and beat her to the point that she came out and she was bloodied. And her mom had to take her into the bathroom and clean her up. By age 16, Amelia desperately wanted out of the house. She wanted an out and she found her out with a boy named Richard who lived across the street. They dated and soon got married, and he introduced her to drugs. She first started off on pot, then LSD, then cocaine, and she got into a little bit of heroin. The marriage did not last long, though, because she was just so messed up. Amelia went from one guy to another, trying to just stay high for 24 hours a day, having multiple abortions, she said that any man who sweet-talked her and gave her a place to stay could have her. And if, she, and if he provided drugs, that was all the more better. Hard to believe. When I read this story, my mouth was dropping, so to speak. One day she got a job as a barmaid. The first day on the job, though, that she noticed in the middle of the room was a tiny stage. Before she realized it, she knew that she had just accepted a job in a topless go-go bar. But to Amelia, hey, a job is a job and I need the income. But soon she went from being the barmaid to being the one in the middle of that tiny stage. Doing things that she never dreamed she would be doing. And in Jim Simula's office, she told Jim that often she has said to herself, How did I ever get myself into this mess? I'm degrading myself, and I want so much more out of life than this. She told Jim that she got depressed, thinking there was nothing else for her in life. That her father had already destroyed everything that she once dreamed about being. She soon met a man named Gilbert. The two began dating. and It became a very serious situation, maybe even talking about marriage. But Amelia became pregnant. But this time, she did not want to have an abortion. This time, there was something inside of her that just wanted to carry through with the pregnancy. What do you think Gilbert did? Took off. He wanted no part of this. And there she was, all alone, pregnant. She was unable to work because of her occupation as she was pregnant. She soon ran out of money, couldn't pay the rent, the electricity. electricity was cut off, and she hit rock bottom. She figured the only way to get out of this was to commit suicide. She took a razor blade and it began to carve a line in her wrist. She began to bleed, but she didn't have what it took to press hard enough. Thank goodness. Amelia moved back in with her mom, and by this time her dad had left. You see, the police had been called just too many times, and he had to get out of Dodge. So she moved back in with her mom. She soon gave birth to a baby boy named Vinny. Not long after this, Amelia's brother-in-law, Mickey, had become a Christian, And invited Amelia and the family to church. Invited them to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. She agreed to go. She recalls how Jim Simula spoke about God's love. And that he loves us no matter what we've done. And that he will forgive and help us get through it all. Amelia found herself at the altar weeping uncontrollably. And she eventually found Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad there's a good ending to this story? I laid an awful lot of heavy stuff on you, but she eventually found Jesus Christ as her Savior. After a couple of years, Amelia met a dental technician. They fell in love. They got married. They had a child of their own along with the stepchild of Vinny. And uh, after several years, the two of them moved out of the area. And they are currently serving the Lord in a local church. And there is a great, happy ending to that story. But dreams, they don't always come true as we want, do they? I may be talking to someone today whose story may not be as brutal as Amelia's, but you too have had your dreams crushed. You've had your dreams crushed by life's circumstances that have happened to you. What I want to talk to you about today I want to talk to you about our God. He is the healer of broken dreams. You need to know that God is the healer of broken dreams. You see, we must realize that Satan, he wants to steal your dreams. He wants to mess up your life. He wants to make you think that he is the one that is responsible for messing up your life in order to keep you from turning to him. But you need to know that no matter how bad Satan has messed up your life, no matter how old you were when he began ripping your dreams to shreds, God can take back what Satan has stolen, church. Just hang in there with me. when it comes to dreams, there's really a lot that we can learn from one main character in the Bible. His name is Joseph. And in as fast of a Reader's Digest version, let's look at the life of Joseph. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis, oh, we'll say Genesis chapter 41. And as you're turning there, I'm going to try and get us caught up. You remember the story. This is a Sunday school story, but it's a great story as well. I want you to stay tuned because I believe at the end of this story, there is a very powerful truth that can speak to those whose dreams have been crushed. Joseph, he knew what it was like to be raised in a dysfunctional home. He knew what it was like. He was one of 12 brothers, born to the patriarch Jacob, who also just happened to be his father's favorite. As you can imagine, this did not sit well with the other siblings. And knowing that he was their dad's favorite was bad enough. But Joseph's brothers had a visual reminder every time they saw him, for he wore that coat of many colors, right? Every time he put that on, it was a reminder to the brothers, he's the favorite. He's the favorite. Have you ever been around someone in life who just seems to do everything perfect? I mean, they're a good-looking individual, and they, they can do no wrong. They're successful at just about everything, and they're hard to like sometimes, aren't they? Those kind of people are kind of hard to love in life. I kind of have a feeling that Joseph was like this. Everything that he did was just almost perfect. The Bible tells us that he was a handsome man, and he was his father's favorite. Hmm. Speaking of dreams, God begins to give Joseph dreams about the future. Joseph had two dreams that symbolized a time when his family, his brothers, and even his dad, his father, would at one point in time bow down in front of him. Do you remember, the, the dreams are the sheaf and uh, his sheaf stood straight and tall and, and all the other sheafs around him would bow down to him. Remember that story? Then he also told another dream and he said where the sun and the moon and the 11 stars would all gather around him in the middle and, and they would bow down to him. Now the only mistake that I can see that Joseph ever made is whenever he sat around the uh, kitchen table and he told everybody this dream. It wasn't real smart on his part, was it? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I would go, duh. What are you not thinking, man? Yeah. That was a bad move. And in his family's eyes and with his brothers, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. It's not bad enough that you're daddy's favorite. It's not bad enough that you get a coat of many colors. Now you're going to tell us that we're going to bow down to you. Now, in Sunday school, we, kind of, we remember this kind of lightheartedly, but the Bible tells us that they hated him, that they wanted to kill him. And as far as the brothers were concerned, they no longer had a brother. One day, Joseph is sent out into the field to check on his brothers as they tend sheep. His brothers look over the horizon and they see Joseph coming. They know it's him. He's pretty easy to spot with that arrogant coat that he always wears. And they immediately begin plotting to not just treat him bad, but they begin to plot on how to kill him. Fortunately fortunately for Joseph, the oldest brother of Reuben, he still keeps his sense about him and he wanted to save him. He didn't want anything bad to happen to him. So he's able to hold off the execution. But they allow him to throw him into a pit. You know the story? It said that the pit had no water. The cistern was dry. It was a well that had dried up. Scriptures tell us that as the brothers were sitting there outside of the pit, they were eating a meal of all things. They see some slave traders coming off in the distance, and they end up selling Joseph for 20 20 pieces of silver. Now can you imagine as Joseph is is there, he probably can hear the brothers wanting to kill him. He can hear how the brothers are wanting to treat him. And as he's he's standing there bound with his hands and he sees them, they're actually going to do it. They're actually going to sell me. Can you imagine? I I can just see his eyes welling up with tears. How can his brothers do this to him? Perhaps he's thinking, this is not how I dreamed my life would go. You see, he's only 17 years old. Parker's age. He's only 17 years old when he gets shipped off. Perhaps he's mad at God. Any of you been mad at God? All the dreams that Joseph must have had, not the dreams that got him into trouble, but the dreams that he had for his life, just went up in smoke. And for all intents and purposes, his life was over. But I want you to notice, and you, don't, you can turn there if you want. Actually, I said Genesis 41. Genesis 39, it's just one quick verse. Genesis 39.2 says this. It says that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Maybe I'm talking to someone here this morning who you feel like your dreams are gone. Listen, you're not alone, and God's not through with you yet, church. God's not through with you yet. Joseph was sold to a man named Potiphar. You know the story. He was an officer to Pharaoh. He was a man of prestige and great wealth. But something strange begins to happen. Whatever Joseph touches prospers. Potiphar recognizes this, so he gives him more responsibilities. But then Joseph unknowingly walks into another trap, doesn't he? Potiphar's wife, she desires more from this handsome young Hebrew Receive time after time, she pursues Joseph. And time after time, Joseph remains loyal to his master and his Lord, his God. And he continues to rebuff her advances. And so one day she has been rebuffed one too many times. She accuses Joseph of rape and has him thrown into prison. And Joseph just can't catch a break. Have you been there before? Mm Mm-hmm. Seriously? (laughs) One day, while he's in prison now, could be a couple years after all of this, Pharaoh got fed up with his cupbearer and with his baker, and he throws them into prison. The same cell block as where Joseph is staying. One night, both men have, guess what, they have dreams and they tell Joseph about the dreams. Joseph tells them what the dreams mean. That one will have a disaster effect while the other one has a happy ending. And the dreams come true. As the cupbearer dances out of the jail, Joseph asks him to please remember him in his position. Please remember him in his case before he approaches Pharaoh. And the man says, sure. He says, I've got your back, man. I won't forget. He forgets, doesn't he? For two years, he forgets. Listen, it's been 13 years since Joseph sat around his family's table telling about those dreams. 13 long years of just one setback after another, one discouragement after another, one disappointment, one crusher of a dream after another. I can only imagine that somewhere in his prison cell, his mind keeps replaying the events of his life. His brother selling him the humiliation of being a slave, of being falsely accused. And now this God, what are you doing? But through it all, and I believe this is the key, church, through it all, Joseph remained true to God. Little does he know that his ship is about to come in. Soon Pharaoh now has two dreams of his own, dealing with cows and heads of grain. Egypt's best magicians and occultists try their best, but they cannot interpret this dream for Pharaoh. And off in the corner is a cupbearer who's probably saying to himself, dreams, dreams, dreams. The word of God tells us that he confessed to his error, and not talking about Joseph two years earlier. He says, wait a second, I know a man, Pharaoh, who can interpret your dreams for you. Before he knows it, it tells us that uh, Joseph is, is ushered out of his prison cell. He's, he is bathed, he shaves, he puts on clean clothes, and he is appearing before Pharaoh Pharaoh uh, tells his dream to Joseph. Once he tells his dream to Joseph, listen to what Joseph said. All the years of bitterness, all the years that he wanted to get back at people, all the years that he could allow, he could have let cynicism set into his heart. Listen to what Joseph said. After he hears the dream, Pharaoh says, can you interpret this for me? And he says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. See, Joseph stayed true to God. There's a lesson to us here, church. No matter what you're going through, you still stay true to God. Doesn't matter what you're experiencing, stay true, stay faithful to God. Joseph tells Pharaoh a time of great harvest is coming only to be followed by a time of great famine. The next thing that he knows, Joseph has become the second most powerful man in Egypt. And as he is put in charge literally of the farm. (laughs) And Joseph not only saves Egypt from extinction, he helps make them even more powerful to their surrounding nations. Let me summarize this. Joseph becomes very powerful, he becomes very wealthy, he becomes very influential as people from all over the world come and bow down to him, seeking food for survival. Now we know eventually what his other brothers did and and how that involves Jacob, and that's a story for another time, but I said all of this to tell you this next part right here tells us in chapter 41, you can get ready to turn there, in chapter 41, that God blessed Joseph, put in charge of all the kingdom and the grain and the farm and, and all the food to make sure that there was uh, no famine for the people of Egypt. There was a famine, but they would survive through it. And Joseph became very powerful, very wealthy, very influential. I want you to listen to how God blessed him. Genesis 41, verse 50 and 51. And it says this. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, now listen, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's Did you get that? Don't let it go by too quickly. He named his child Manasseh. Manasseh is a type of Hebrew word which means to forget. Why Manasseh? Why not a word that would describe grain? Why not a word that would describe wealth or riches or gold? Why Manasseh? I believe as Joseph held his son in his arms, he thought back to all of his broken dreams, everything that had happened to him, and he singled out the biggest blessing that God had given him, and he said, I will name my boy Manasseh because God has made me forget. Forget all the evil that's been done to me, even the pain of rejection that started in my father's house. Folks, that's a huge point. For years he suffered rejection, pain after pain, innocence was his. He did not say, I've learned to forget, or medication has made me forget, or through a seven-step program I have forgotten. No, he said, God has made me forget. You see, God took the sting out of his past so that there was no bitterness. Let me say that again. God took the sting of bitterness out of his past. The temptation to have a mean spirit was gone. God cleansed Joseph's mind of everything that would have caused resentment and animosity. And he can do the same for you, church. I just gave you a bunch of history and, a, and, a, and an interesting story about a million Joseph to tell you that. Church, those of you with a broken past, with broken dreams, God can mend and heal your heart. I'm not saying that God necessarily erases your memories, but he can make you forget to the point that you are no longer paralyzed from your past. Praise God. You wanted some good news? There's good news on Sunday. What is this, May what, 3rd? That's good news. You Want to know what else, too? This is cool. Joseph had a second son. Read Genesis 41, 52. It says this, The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. <laughs> Not only can God make us forget our painful past, God can help us be fruitful and thrive in the new life that he has in store for us. Don't you think, don't you believe that if you're in a difficult circumstances, don't believe that what Satan wants to tell you, you're going to live there for the rest of your life. You don't have have to accept that. God has a plan. He has a future. You've heard me say this many, many times. God has a Jeremiah 29, 11 for you no matter where you're at in life. And praise the Lord. In the land of his suffering, God made him fruitful. I can't help but think this is hitting somebody today. This is not exactly how you planned your life, the difficulties or what you've experienced. This, this is not in your dreams. This is not in your Jiminy Cricket type uh, uh, future that you had in your mind. This is not the life that... God can help you forget. And he can help you go on. Now, let me go back to Amelia's story before we end. After Amelia received Jesus Christ, Jim Simla says she became one of the most faithful attenders of Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. Every Sunday she was there. He said, but one Sunday he noticed that she was not there and he got concerned. And, And this wasn't long after she accepted Christ. This was before she met the dental technician, before she got married. She was still young in her walk, young in her faith. And he Remembers just saying up a prayer, oh God, wherever Amelia is, protect her and keep her. Next Sunday, she was back, and he went up to her and he said, I missed you last Sunday. Is everything okay? And she says, Oh, yes, everything is fine. And this is what she said She said, You preached something about the love of God and forgiveness, so I took the bus upstate to where my father lives. Now, some of you might be thinking, there's no way I could go back to a father like that. Jim was stunned to hear this. Her father was living with his sister in an old trailer out in the country and all he did every day was just sit around and just drink beer. But the Spirit of God got a hold of Amelia and she knew she had to go see him. She ate dinner with them that night, but after dinner she told her dad that she needed to speak to him. She said this, You know, Pop, I've been remembering the things that happened back whenever I was a girl. Those years were really hard, and I have to admit that I hated you. Her dad said, Oh, don't worry about it. That was a long time ago. We don't need to talk about that now. Amelia said she felt the anger and the resentment in the bitterness begin to well up, but she was able to keep her composure. And she said, yes, we do, Pop. You see, it really hurt me, and I wanted to kill you so many times. But I came up here to tell you that I'm a Christian now. And I gave my heart to the Lord, and he changed my life. You see, Dad, you used to be in all of my nightmare." I used to think about you every day, but now, listen to her words. These are not my words. I'm not paraphrasing. These are her words. She said this to her dad, but now, God has made me forget. (laughs) Pop, what you did to me was wrong, but I don't hate you anymore. I forgive you. God can change your life too, Pop. He can forgive you, Pop. And she says, I love you. Only our God can do that. Only Jesus Christ can so fill you with his grace that you can do that. What do you think that did to her father? I'm looking at the clock. Please, I'm going to close up here shortly. This is important. This made her father very uncomfortable, as you can imagine. And he quickly changed the subject. Now, I wish I could say that her dad dropped to his knees and asked for forgiveness and accepted Jesus. But unfortunately, he didn't do any of those things. But Amelia said that she went home with a peace in her heart. Knowing that she had done what the Lord had asked of her. And that she had even planted a seed about Jesus Christ in her father's heart. Listen folks. Sometimes life's ugly details will not always get worked out in this life. But God can help us get past those times as well. You see, I I can nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that when Joseph was the second most powerful man in the land, it doesn't tell us, I mean, if it would have been me, I would have said the very first thing that I want to do, I want you to take this chariot and go back to Potiphar's house because I'm going to prove to that lady, I want everybody to know, I want this to be rectified, I'm innocent of anything. Sometimes we can't go back and make everything right. But God can help us forget. There's a manasseh for all of us this morning. Our God, He really is the healer of broken dreams. Shattered dreams can leave one thinking it's too late for God to help or restore what was once lost and stolen. But it's not too late. Listen to this verse I love in Psalm 37. Listen to this. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither; Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Or let's just put another word there. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the dreams of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will do what? He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Listen, God can do a new thing in your life, church. A new thing. Listen, He did not stop creating after day six of creation. He's creating something new every day. He can do it if you'll let Him. And if you'll take a page from Joseph's life, If you read through that story, you will notice a number of times how Joseph continued in the midst of his suffering. He continued to be a man of integrity. He continued to be a man who followed God and the Lord. (laughs) Pharaoh even said this of him, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh recognized there was the Spirit of God about him. You stay faithful to him. He can heal. He can mend. He can restore that, what Satan has taken from you. Would you bow your heads, please? I'm going to ask Dick and Carrie if they would come up. Thank you for your patience. I know this was longer than usual. Father God, thank you. Seems like I start off all my prayers like this saying thank you because you give us something to be thankful for. God. Can't help but believe I'm speaking to someone this morning whose dreams have been crushed at times. And they need you to heal them. They need you to mend. Their broken dreams. They need you to help them forget. Oh, not erase memory banks because we know that that will take away all of our memories. And we thank you for the wonderful memories that we have. But God, I thank you that you can get us to the point that we are not paralyzed anymore. We're not paralyzed anymore. God, if there's someone here this morning that this speaks to, I pray that (laughs) They would find the healing that they need in you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please? Would you stand? Let's sing this just wonderful song, folks. The-